Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sure do get touchy about Derek Jeter. Ace. I never really had been that way about him, only until the Hall touchy. of Fame thing came through. Why? You made the Hall of Fame, you missed by one vote. But see that he should have been unanimous. I mean, if you if you don't vote for Derek Jeter, and of course this guy was a Boston Globe writer. Excuse me, Hank Aaron should have been unanimous. He should have excuse, been too. I excuse agree. me, Willie May should have been unanimous. I also agree. Excuse me, Ted Williams should have been unanimous. Right I mean, there you with a, you. You want a long list of people that should have been unanimous? Exactly. I mean, it just happened with one guy. Okay. So don't I mean I mean sorry. I'm, I'm with you there with okay. all of them. It's just I'm a Yankee I, I fan, so I'm badly, Aaron Derek Jeter. I feel badly about the guy that misses by ten votes. I don't feel badly at all if a guy one guy doesn't vote for somebody. My my I feel, point I feel, is I feel I feel badly for the guy that misses by ten. Yeah, my point <laughs> is there's stupidity out there among many when it comes to evaluating Hall of Fame players. Like no doubt Hall of Fame players like Jeter and all the guys you just mentioned, who I agree should have been unanimous as well. And when there's stupidity out there, then yeah, I'm going to be the quick to defend somebody. Jackie Robinson should have been unanimous. Another I mean, one, on exactly. On. Again, on and on we go. I look. I feel badly for the guy that missed by ten. I don't feel badly for the guy that got ninety nine percent. I feel badly for the guy that got seventy three point seven percent and needed seventy five. I don't feel badly for the guy that got ninety nine. Like you're way in. It, to me, to me, that that becomes such an irrelevant argument. It is irrelevant. It's not that I right? feel bad about it. It's just that it's it irrelevant. Just, it irks me. It no. What irks me is the guy that gets seventy seven point gets seventy four point seven percent and doesn't make it. Not the guy that gets ninety nine point three. Well, that irks me not, too. The the guy that gets ninety nine point three made it by comfortably by twenty four point three percent. The guy that missed, missed by 0.3%, which means he needed five or six votes somewhere. Okay, that's, to me, that's, that, you know, I get more concerned about that. I got you. Than I, I'm with than you. I do, than I do about, oh, my God. Oh, I can't believe it. Tom Seaver only got 92%. Oh, okay. <laughs> All I'm saying is, if you deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, then you should have what you need to get in the Hall of I, Fame and not fall short. If you're a unanimous I, Hall of Famer, you should be a unanimous Hall of Famer, like all the players we just mentioned. That's all I'm saying. Guys that play the way they should should be given their reward. Yeah. And when they're not, ba- that's what bothers me. Babe Ruth didn't even get the most votes when he was put in. And that is also just it, and T- absolutely Ty atrocious. Cobb. Ty Cobb did. Uh, yeah. Okay. There, there's one. They're saying that's pretty sad. When it's just one of all those names you just mentioned that were flat out unanimous for the I, Hall of Fame, I'm just no, saying I mean, it, it's, it's just plain it's, stupid. It's just the way it is. I don't worry about guys like that. Oh my God, he got ninety percent. Okay, well, it must have been an easy day for them. Uh, meanwhile, the guy that got 
70.2% and missed by 4.8%. That's the person I'm concerned about. I'm a little more concerned for that guy. Got to wait another year. Jeter, comfortable, didn't have to wait. Didn't didn't deserve to wait. He deserved to get in. I'd have voted for him in a heartbeat. <laughs> Awfully touchy though when it comes to Jeter. Very very touchy. A lot of lean years in his latter years with uh, in terms of getting championships. All right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> lean, very lean. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day. Here comes Kucherov again. Stamkos looked to give it back, and it bounced through. It steered away by Kipper. Centered again. Stamkos scores. Here's Pat the Rudy, and it scores. with the long pass, and look at the other guy. Pat Maroon, who just came up in tight up hands, that one was halfway. Did exactly what we said they needed to do. We said we needed to be heavy on the four check, and they needed to come out with a purpose. They did both last night, 1-6-2. Game four is tomorrow night in Tampa. Let's bring in Neil Coolong, sir. Always a pleasure. Great to have you with us. Thank you for having me, as always. I, I hope you guys are having as fine a day as I am. Uh, anytime you're on, I do. So I appreciate you very much. You know that. Um, Chase Claypool says, I'm not just a starting receiver. I'm a top three receiver. It, I mean, I admire the the uh, confident statement, but I don't even know if he's one of the top three receivers in the division. Uh, Chase is top three on his team. Um, Maybe that's what he meant. I'm I'm not sure. If if we really want to spin it, what I would say is this is evidence that uh, Claypool is so focused on him and his work that he's not aware of what happens with the rest of the league. Um, And that that could be a good thing. Um, All of that said, it's it's funny to me. You know, on the side of media that you and I are on, we see the colleagues that ask those kinds of questions, or at least you know we we can see how the lead-in that led to that response occurred. And in a lot of ways, my thought is, don't ask that question because the only answer you're going to get is the obvious one that no one's going to agree with, and the player is going to end up uh, getting ripped apart for it for something that really just it, it, it's inane, it's pointless. Right. Um, it doesn't matter what Chase Claypool thinks of, of his stature among his peers in the league. Nobody objective could call him that. Um, and there's no way that Chase Claypool is objective. So, I mean, you're, you're getting the only answer that he can really give without creating more of a problem. And it'd be a lot better mm-hmm. for him to say that he is than not. Um, it'd be more of a story in my mind if you just said, yeah, you know what, I'm not all that good. I'm kind of average. Right, um, exactly. You're right. I, I was okay as a rookie. I really went downhill last yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, boy, uh, top three? No, 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 no. Top 80, maybe. Um, you're, the, the thing with Claypool, regardless of, of what he says, and he quickly is becoming someone that, that doesn't seem capable of ever saying the right thing, mm-hmm. at least in the right way. Uh, the the big thing with him 
is from a, a technical level, this is my main concern. I don't care how favorably people think that he is comparable to Calvin Johnson, right. the first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, height, weight, speed, it, it's nice. It, it's not a detriment to a game, uh, to somebody's ability, to somebody's game. It does not make you an NFL wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can get you a contract. It does not catch the ball for you. It does not get you open. Uh, the guys on the other side of you are pretty athletic as well. Usually the cornerback is the most athletic guy on the team. Your ability as an athlete, uh, as well as a competitor, is what's going to make you a, a complete player. And where Chase Claypool is, it, especially after watching, I thought, a technically a, a very disappointing second year, right. he needs to learn how to play the position. Right. Um, I, I, I don't think it's worth any more time to ask Chase Chase Claypool if he thinks he's a top three player uh, at his position in the league than it is asking Zach Gentry the same question. Right. Uh, he's nowhere near that. Um, putting him on the spot, it's the only answer that he can come up with that, that would make a, 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 a you know reasonable sense for him, and it's an unfair spot to put an athlete in. I don't like that. Um, I don't think his answer in that sense uh, really matters. I get that it's a talking point, certainly in right. what is literally the deadest time of the NFL season, which is right where we're at. Um, it, it, it's just interesting to me that, that uh, Claypool finds himself on the, the wrong end of these things pretty often, and it, it, it still just calls out to the fact that his measurables were were godlike. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you put all these things together, um, he was still a second-round draft pick and, the what, the ninth or the tenth receiver taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a historic level of depth at receiver in that class. Still, uh, um, I think, just outside the top 50 drafted. And you watch his college film, you can see why. You watch his film, generally speaking, over the first two years, you can see why. He shouldn't be in the position that he's in if he expects more of himself. If he put the work in that he really needed to put in, he should be better than he is. I, I can't get past that. And the, the receiver position, the, the nuance that comes with it, um, you can show up and make an impact. And we're seeing uh, receivers get better and better every year. I mean, it, it, it's crazy. Just in the last decade alone, yeah. uh, it's remarkable how much better they are in college than they were. But still, in, in the NFL – there are a lot of small things, nuances that, that you have to develop um, with time and effort, both you know live in, in, in game and practice reps as well as on your own. I didn't see any of that from Claypool last year. That, that's more of my concern. Um, I, I, it, this needs to be a big year for him. And as it goes, if he goes out, puts up 90, 1,410 this year, he's going to get paid $25 million because right. that's the position and that's the market. But right now, he, he hasn't earned anything even close to that. And I, I hope uh, for his sake, he is putting the right work in and he's going to show up uh, disciplined and, and ready to play. And I'm, I can't bank on that, certainly not after his year two. When you look at the Steeler offense, because of the change at quarterback and the uncertainty there, are you a, is this as much a mystery to you as it is to me as to how good they can be? Choosing my words carefully here. Um, mystery, I, 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 
if they get really good, I think some of it will be a mystery. Yeah, I, I, I don't. They're not as talented a group relative to their peers. And what I mean by that is you've got usually the, the, the phrase that I've always heard within the NFL is they call them Jags, just a guy. Yeah. The Steelers have players who are better than Jags, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they're really not outstanding in comparison to other players around. You mentioned the division. Division's loaded with mm-hmm. talent. Mm-hmm. And the Steelers, offensively, the Steelers players don't match up to that. I'm sorry. In a lot of ways, they don't. They have by far and away uh, the, the, the fourth of four quarterbacks, right. arguably six and eight in terms of their, their, uh, their starter and their backup at that position. I like Najee Harris as a running back. He's nowhere close to where Nick Chubb is mm-hmm. from what we've seen. Now Harris has had one year. Let's give him a chance. But Chubb is an excellent running back. I think Chubb is the best all-around running back in the game. Um, I, I also think that uh, Joe Mixon is a, an excellent all-around running back. Mm-hmm. Najee Harris hasn't shown he's at that level yet. Um, as far as their receivers go, Deontay Johnson's in a Pro Bowl because he replaced Jamar Chase, and, and nobody in their right mind would put Deontay Johnson over Jamar Chase. It's, it's not even close. Um, the Ravens inexplicably just seem to to not value the receiver position. I don't know why, though I, I am a, a, a big fan of Rashad Bateman, and I think you're going to see him uh, do, do some things this season. Uh, I like Deontay Johnson as a player. He's not a dude. He's not a, a high-level guy. And when you don't have any of those on your offense, um, it, it's going to take you a lot to make hay with it. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know exactly how the Steelers are going to do that by having a bunch of okay guys. You know, this guy's all right. He's, he's not bad. He can, he can do it. When, when you have to set up an offense that requires you to go 10, 11 plays to, to score, uh, you know, seven points, maybe even sometimes three points, you're going to get blown out eventually. It, it's going to catch up with you. The NFL right now, you can't expect to hold teams under 17 points literally every single game. It's just not going to happen. And when you need that much possession to score, which is really kind of what it seems to me the Steelers are, are built to do now, um, it, 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 it's not going to be able uh, to, to hold out over the course of 17 games. People in opposition to what I'm saying are pointing to Chase Claypool as this dynamic playmaking guy, despite the fact that we're really not seeing that. I understand that he lit up fantasy football for a stretch there when he was a rookie, but watch last year, watch him and watch him play. He's barely competitive when the ball is in the air and he's six foot five, six, four, whatever he is. He's not a 50, 50 ball guy. He's more like a 70 or like a 30, 70 guy. Um, Deontay Johnson is, is an excellent tactician. He runs very good routes. He has good balance. He can make guys miss, but he's not incredibly explosive down the field. In other words, if you want to get him 160 targets, he's going to catch you 110, 115 passes for you know, 10, 11 yards a, a pop. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase, on, on the same level of, of uh, target and opportunity, is going to get you 14 yards a pop, and he's going to score twice as often. Those are playmakers. Uh, the Steelers don't have those on offense. Najee Harris is applauding between the tackles. Running back, he's not a playmaker. Um, these are complementary guys that need 
you know, a couple dudes in there to make the big time plays. Now, the rookie class is, uh, from, from what we know of, of Pickens, is he a guy that can step in and make plays right away? It's a big question mark. We, we don't know. He's coming off an ACL tear. The guy is, has all the talent in the world. I, I'm really impressed with his natural ability. There has to be something of a learning curve there. Um, we can't expect him to, to go out and make a bunch of plays right away. But he's a talented guy. He's going to do a thing or two. I really like Calvin Austin as a player, and I think we're going to see that. Depending on how he's going to be used, there's a lot of things that he can do in, in short spaces. He might add a, a, an element um, to their offense that they, they currently can't really do particularly well. Um, their coaching and their preparation is going to have to be top-notch, and guys are going to have to play uh, well above what we've seen them now for this team to be a 25-26 point-a-game offense. And I, I just I don't see that happening right now. I like where they're building it. Um, We'll, we'll see how it goes. And I, I didn't even mention the fact that Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback. And there really isn't anything to suggest that you can, you're able to maintain a, a good to great NFL offense with him as a quarterback because, frankly, it just hasn't happened uh, um, in his career. He had four years of it in, in Chicago. Um, you can win games with defense all you want. If your offense isn't producing points, though, you, you're not going to do much. And that's really what happened. Um, in his career. They, they need guys to, to step up. Uh, some of that is going to be scheme, but the rubber meets the road. It, it's, it, it's a one-on-one game. Um, offensive players need to make plays. And where we're sitting right now, they don't have guys who have shown they can make plays consistently in the NFL. I, I hope that changes, but um, for, they, they've got a lot of work in front of them, that's for sure. We get you on the show every Tuesday because we can talk about something every week, regardless. What does it say, Neil, about a league that plays 63 days out of the year? 63. Yet still dominates the other 302 or 303 in a leave year like like no other. What does that tell us about this league? And the league's not perfect. Deshaun Watson's a great example of that and how the league's going to handle it, we'll see. But what does it tell you about the, the power of football in this country that in 302 days, when, you, when you're not playing a game, everybody's still talking about you? One thing I've noticed in my career, and that this has really been instrumental uh, in the work that I've done, People grossly, grossly misunderstand and underestimate the draw of the off-the-field portion of the NFL. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where, I mean, as, as a kid growing up, I was the kid that got up Saturday morning for the draft and watched it. It started 11 a.m. Central and went through <laughs> to like 7 p.m. I watched the whole thing. Me I too. didn't move the me, whole day. Me too. I absolutely loved it just loved it wall to wall and then it was on the next day too it was a little bit earlier even more rounds to sit and watch um i probably lost a year of my life watching the draft when i was a kid just eating junk food in my basement i I lived and breathed it i got into fantasy football and i absolutely loved it and this was before um you know advanced cable packaging and and the ability to you know online presence the ability to really follow everything minute to minute and that that's what i wanted to get into i i was a, 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 a i was a newspaper writer i was a, the sports editor of a daily newspaper in iowa for a bit 
my main thing was always the NFL. Just as a fan, I was always just drawn to it. And what I found was that the 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 off season machinations, all of the stuff that goes with it, their structure of free agency, the salary cap starting in 1993, the way trades went down, um, it, it, it all it, it was so. The, the league didn't hype it up. If anything, the NFL was behind its own cycle as far as, as really promoting its product. People were just all about it because the names were so much bigger and there was always a sense of tribalism that the NFL couldn't actively promote or anything, but it, it still did because it just kind of took care of itself. Your fandom was your identity. That's what you affiliated with. Those are the people that you hung around with. You loved fans of your team. You hated fans of the other team. Not literally in most cases, but it, it's <laughs> there was opposition. And that tension, that conflict, it, it brings out much more than just the game. And with that, the act of getting better, the act of um, – yeah, how about this, for example? Randy Moss out of nowhere falls to, to 21 overall and completely flips the league on its head. Right. Randy Moss and Randall Cunningham essentially create the tactic of the, the back shoulder throw because Randall Cunningham couldn't throw the ball past Randy Moss, and Randy Moss learned how to sprint past guys, turn around, and jump. That tactic, the fact that he went as late as he did and completely flipped the team from one direction to another, it feels like every team has the opportunity to get a guy like that, and there are so many examples of that in the draft you as a fan get super excited to watch it. It's like the most balanced um, player acquisition event in sports. It, it, there, there's so much more to it. In hockey, guys can get drafted and you don't, you don't see them for three years. Same thing with baseball. And baseball, for the vast majority of, of all of this, really up until just this past year, they're 68 rounds or whatever it is. You never hear of most of the guys that get drafted at all, let alone the ones that will actually make the team. It, uh, it, basketball, it, three guys in every draft. So if you're drafting four or later, it doesn't matter really. I mean, it, it does. But as a long-suffering Timberwolves fan, I can assure you it's more than one guy for a team like that. <clears throat> you get all that and you put it together. Football seems to have the most uh, opportunity for a team um, to go from terrible to really good, with the exception of four or five franchises that kind of can't consistently seem to put it together. Most teams have had enough uh, for their fans to be excited about once every couple of years, at least. And the, the thrill of that goes into every other aspect of the game. So my long-winded point here is of the, um, the, the 302 days of the year where they're not playing games, it's all about what's coming. It's all about what's next. And I think that sense of, of hope, that sense of anticipation it blends in with, with uh, their schedule for the games to a point where it's always like the battle isn't that far away and you have enough time to kind of gather up your, your fellow fans and, and really get into it, really get excited about it. So it, it, it's an anticipatory game as a fan. It, it's a following more than anything. Baseball, it's every day. There's so much of it that it gets boring after a while. You can't really lump it together in an exciting way it's purely transactional football it, it, it in, in the nfl that product is just so much more 
what could be. You know, it's the hope, it's the promise. I, I really think that the biggest reason for any of this, and I can assure you from, from a, a content and traffic standpoint, um, it is all about the off-season. It's far more lucrative in the off-season, if you know what you're doing, yeah. than it is inside the season. Because fans are more into that anticipation and the debate over who's going where and what than it is talking about just the past game. They get into that part of it, and then it's, it's as I say, socks in the dryer. You know, it's warm for five minutes, and that's it. After that, it's just kind of the same thing again. You throw them back in the dryer. You, you, you want to have that constant cycle going for it. And it's all rooted around uh, optimism, hope, and anticipation. Fans check, the, the, ask Jets fans. Jets fans check out after week five every year. And they're the first <laughs> ones in line to start talking about the draft. That's right. They know more about the draft than any fan base because yes. they're always big players in the draft. Yep. And it's exciting. You can see why. Eventually it's going to work for them. You know, that, that's the way the league is built. <laughs> you hope anyway for their sake they can put it together. But it, it's, it's always about what's coming next. I, mean, I don't think any other sport captures that uh, the way that the NFL does. Well said. That's why I asked. I mean, I thought you'd give a great answer. You did. My friend, thanks so much. Can't wait to talk with you next week. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Mm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, Me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 630 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 630 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the mm. Mm. out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Ummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. And let's get right to it because... Uh, with great humility, I introduce somebody I consider to be the great Michael Barkan, sir. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for your time. Stop it. Stop. It's just how I wrote it, though, isn't it? Thank you uh, very much. Did Steve I put Jones. the inf- How are you, my friend? Did I put the inflection in the spot you wanted? <laughs> it was, was, you were spot on. Hey, by the way, I want to ask you publicly, back you right into a corner. We had our charity outing yesterday. We have a family charity. It's called the Barkamp Family Healing Hearts Foundation. I would love it if you would play next year. It was at French Creek Golf Club in Elverson, Pennsylvania. It's a beautiful course. It's a blast to play. I don't know if you can come do your show from there. I'm just extending it to you. You can think about it. you got 364 days. There you go. Okay. Well, with 364 days to go, the answer is yes. So, <laughs> how about that? <laughs> I'd love to I love be a it. part of it. To be a part of something for a great for a great charity like that, you bet I will. Awesome. And by the way, we uh, a former Penn Stater out there with us too, Brandon Noble. Was, uh, ah, Noble. 
DT, defensive tackle, play for Washington. He's lost a lot of weight. i got to give him credit. He's dropped a few LBs. He's done well. He has dropped a few LBs. He also played for uh, the Cowboys. We don't mention that in Philadelphia, as you know, Steve. <laughs> oh, no. You notice I didn't mention that part. <laughs> I, know. I, know. I, whis- I whispered it as I introduced him yesterday. Great guy, yeah. but played for a team that shall not be named. You know what I refer to them as? Them. What? Yeah. Them. them. That's good. I'm going to start that. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. Uh, All right. So what's going on? How are so you? I'm doing great, and thank you for the invitation. It means a lot that it came from you. So, yes, the answer will be yes. Uh, thank you. So, now, let's knock it around and have a little fun here. You're sitting in the Sixers front office, and you can give James Harden the max deal, do you? Oh, man. You know, that, that's that's a tough one for me. I, I didn't see what I thought I would see from James Harden this season. I mean, he, had, he had a game in the playoffs, a game against Miami, I guess, when he put the team on his back. But, but other than that, I, I don't know if you have other options, but, um, you know, he, he's – you know, he's got to opt in. They've got to opt in, and I, I would, um, I, I guess I, I guess I would. I, I don't know what are the choices that they have, Steve. I, I really don't. And but, but he did not do the job that I thought he was going to do. And I thought, in the minds of, of most Sixers fans and observers, uh, it was the exact same thing. So, you know, when we, when we saw him come to Philadelphia. I think we thought we were still getting a, a forget about a top five player. We thought we were getting maybe a top ten player. I don't think mm-hmm. you can say that about him. So um, Max Steele, mm, uh, I, I guess I I guess I'd have to, but I, you know, it makes me nervous. I'll tell you. What do you think? You answered it verbatim exactly the way I would have. Same thing. I'd be sitting back and I'd say, okay, wait a minute. Next week's a big week because it leads to July first. What are our options here? And if it right. turns out that is the best option, I, I get back against the wall, then I've got to consider doing it if that's my best option. And that's, that's yeah. I, I feel the same way you do about it. You, you answer it the same way I would have because I didn't quite get what I hoped I would get out of him. But maybe now a completely healthy understanding his role, maybe that means something. Uh, I hope so. You know, I, when yeah. I look at this team, I just think, are they any closer now to forget about winning a championship, just even getting to a conference championship level? Are, are they any closer to that? I, I don't. I don't think the answer is yes. Um, Joel Embiid is a phenom. He's been one. Yep. But um, my old pal Ike Reese used to say, "You can't make the club in the tub," and and unfortunately, <laughs> he's been. He's been injured more than his fair share, and he's been injured at the worst possible time. And and while that might not be his fault, it still remains the case. So I concern myself with that. I concern myself whether or not they have a bona fide second superstar, uh, the, the kind of guy Harden is supposed to be, and maybe even a third. And uh, they've got some great parts, but whether or not they can bring them together to even get to that conference championship level, I don't know. And they drafted 23 on Thursday, Michael. Uh, I, I haven't looked at any mock drafts until today, so I finally look at one, and I see Walker Kessler. I'm like, Walker Kessler? <laughs> yeah. Really? Okay. That tells me there there be there's no help in the draft unless there's something stunning. 
Well, and I've seen other mock drafts that say Blake Wesley from from Notre Dame or or Wendell Moore from Duke, who's the the small forward. Uh, Wesley, of course, is a guard. They're both of those players are, are ranked lower on the totem pole. Um, but you know, who knows what Daryl Morey might do once that thing gets going? I, I don't know. They're getting the Nets pick because the Nets defer. Uh, after the the Harden trade, that was their pick, and they're not taking it this year. Right. Uh, I've got to ask you about John Tortorello. I know that the Flyers have a long way to go. He at least does have a resume that has a Stanley Cup in it. He's also a very interesting guy in press conferences. What do you think about the hire? Well, you know, I I think he is one of the great characters in hockey in the NHL. He's got a yeah. great pedigree. I, I love the, the the line that when every time I think of John Tortorella it just comes right in my mind. Shut your yap. Shut <laughs> your yap. What he said to former Flyers coach in the conference finals. Oh my goodness! I'm trying to remember when, when that might have been. 2012, 10, 12, and, and 12, Hitchcock yeah. had something. What? Well, sorry. No, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah, and and, and uh, uh, but but that that was what what Turner, he said he shouldn't even be talking about one of my players. He shouldn't even have to. You know what? Shut your yap. And I I love I always loved that that he went there. And and I love Hitchcock too. Uh, great coach. Uh, but but John, here's the only thing. He he kind of uh, uh, he kind of seems like Elaine Vino with an A on the end of his name. You know, and, yeah. and um so to me, they're, they're somewhat similar uh, coaches. They're, they're kind of disciplinarians. They kind of like to bust it a little bit. And um, so uh, I'm hoping that Tortorella can get more from, from what the Flyers have than, than what Elaine Vigneault did. And I also question with the Flyers whether or not they, they have the talent that they need to have. So you can have the greatest coach in the world, but you know at the, at the major league level, uh, which is the NHL, you, you, you've got to have the players. And um, I know Cam Atkinson, uh, the veteran Flyers forward, vouched for Tortorella saying, in fact, he, he brought it up in, a, in an exit interview. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, that uh, they can bring this team together and, and they can be the Flyers the way we've known them in Philadelphia for so many years. Well, Steve Kerr is a perfect example. When Curry and Thompson were out... They didn't even come. They had a seven-month vacation uh, one year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right. and then yeah, and then last year with Thompson out, they they got to the eight-nine game. This year they've got everybody they win. So I mean, look, he's a we we acknowledge he's an excellent coach, but personnel certainly does aid the coaching. Uh, <laughs> the uh, I got yeah, so, but now that so that that's a perfect transition to the last part here. The Phillies, the Phillies change one guy, and it's the manager, and it's mm-hmm. Robbie Thompson. Why the difference? I think a couple of reasons. One, um, Kyle Schwarber, who had been struggling mightily, started to hit. You know, he won the National League Player of the Month last June in 2021. Very well might win it again in 22. And I don't know if you can blame that on Joe Girardi, that Kyle Schwarber did what he's done over the past, the recent past, in struggling in April and May. But he's coming on like gangbusters in June. So you you got a bona fide um, leadoff guy. Uh, Reese Hoskins also is starting to come around. 
And that one through five spot, the leadoff through, through five spot, has for the most part been the same for the last 20 games or so. So that's, that's one. And the players are producing. So that, that's the first thing. Also, um, baseball is a game, man. It's, it's played. It's a team sport, but it's played individually. You got to get in the batter's box and, and and hit when you're called upon. You you've got to be on the pitcher's mound and and make the pitches when called upon. Balls hit to you. You got to do it. And I think you need a certain mentality to do that. And sometimes the vibe is just not there in the clubhouse. And whether you're the manager, the players, or, or observing the team, no one can explain why that is. But yes, I do think that Robbie Thompson coming in has made a big difference for this team. I think he's just. He's just uh, got a different feel about him than did Joe Girardi. And the, the guys are playing for him. So, you know, I, I, um, I can't put my finger on exactly what it is other than also the, the bullpen, which has really been an issue for the team during this stretch, for the most part, has settled down somewhat. I'm not saying it's been good, but it hasn't cost them games like it had prior to Girardi's departure. So, you know, now Bryce Harper's been out for the past two games. We haven't had the lineup for tonight. They're at Texas this evening. And I don't know, he's got a blister on his left hand just below his his left index finger and above his palm. And he was called upon to pinch it the other night and did quite well. And the, the blister is healed, but there's an infection under there. And I don't know whether or not Harper's going to go tonight, but they need him. He's going to be an all-star at the DH position, for goodness sakes. Who would have thought that that would have happened prior to the season? So he's been carrying the team as well. I hope he's back in the lineup tonight. You're always a difference maker for us, Michael. Thank you so much for your valuable time. Appreciate you very much. Thank you. You know it, Steve. Anytime. Just let me know. In 364 days, baby, you're mine. All right. I, I, I'm I there. I am. I will be there. I promise you. Thanks, Michael. You got it. All right. All right. Thanks. <laughs> Michael Barkan. There you go. All right. We'll take a break. He's always great. I, I just, love Michael uh, B. Yeah. You know, always have. You know, well, for a long time, um, I, I, you know. Daily News Live. I, I was a faithful watcher of that every day. Me well, too. Part of it was you know, having Dick on there and so forth. But Michael's brilliant at that job. He's brilliant. The way he moves everybody, you know, gets the best out of them, and everything's a you know with all the moving parts. He you know he's the rudder. It's he's very it's so impressive. Uh, we'll come back, wrap it up in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Our thanks to Matt Leon, Neil Kulong, and Michael Barkan for joining us on the show today. And yes, I will be going. He sends the invitation. I will go to that event. It's a great cause. And he's a great guy. I mean, I would do that for, for Michael anyway. Uh, another touchy day for Matt. A lot of hate for Brooks Kepka, uh, even though Matt freely admits he'd take the money. Uh, <laughs> he set himself up for it. That's all. You know, again, you know, it's. I'm not trying to be political here, okay? Please. But these guys do more press conferences than the president. You know that, right? Oh, oh yeah, definitely. Right? So they're constantly being asked questions all the time, all the time. So there's more opportunity to either trip up or be called on it or something like that. I mean, it's just 
over and over and over. It's, it's, it's so interesting about sports. Right? Heads of state are out there around the world determining so much. Yet a football coach, a basketball coach, or a player or whatever is out there every week doing like two, three press conferences every single week answering questions. And what they're doing is not as important as what the other guys are doing. That's I always find that interesting. Uh, but, yeah, these they're asked a lot of questions all the time. So there's more opportunity to get more answers and to have people recorded and then play it back. All right. Um but again, offer them. I mean, I mean, I got all sorts of texts from your family here. They'd all take it. No. <laughs> no, senor. No, senor. Sit there like, no, senor. What, what is Matt nuts? <laughs> Come on. Uh, now, what's interesting is that these get these players are in a different spot than you and I would obviously be in. Okay. Uh, because they're already making a lot of money. So the question is going from a lot of money to making gigantic money. On the other hand, it's a different decision for us. Then, of course, there was your Derek Jeter moment. Oh, what's going on here? It's so touchy. <laughs> so touchy. Yeah, Lee's because one guy didn't vote for him. It's like the end of the world. I mean, like it wasn't like he missed by one vote. I know, but hey, as, I, as I've told you before, yeah, I yeah, can't yeah. ignore stupid. I mean, I'm just telling you. It's. I worry about the guy that missed by one. <laughs> yeah, it's like they got to wait a year. Jeter doesn't have to wait. He's already, you know, he's in. You're all set. Everything's good in your life. It's all good. Now, if little Luke Catrillo goes out and gets 74.8% and doesn't get in, now I can expect you to go off the deep end. Well, yeah, I'll fight tooth and nail, of course. Believe me, when you're sitting there, I don't care if you're Derek Jeter or any other player, you still sweat out how the vote's going to go. You don't know. It's almost a relief. Oh, okay. I miss, okay. I don't care. I missed my one. I got in. It's all that matters. You get in. You're just so, so angry. Even over success, you get angry. It's just the stupid. That's all. Every when things are good, you're mad. <laughs> <laughs>